0: Left side, Ibaka. Into the post, Siakam. Siakam's their leading scorer, replacing Kawhi Leonard. Ingalls defending. Siakam bumps. Backs. He scored 11 points in the final two and a half the other night. Up to Ibaka. Top to Lowry. Step back three as the horn sounds. Good. From behind the
1: timeline. On the left side, 30 feet out. Kyle Lowry
2: puts the Raptors up
1: five. Big shot late in the game from Kyle Lowry. Well defended on that possession, and it went in. And I know we talk about defense with the Jazz, and I know Quinn Snyder can turn any question about offense into defense. He's done it to several of my questions and other people's questions as well. But at the end of the night, the Jazz lost that game because they couldn't score. 92 is just not a winning number in the NBA anymore. So 1998 isn't walking through that door, and you've got to get to 100 points, and the Jazz didn't get that close to it. If you're just joining us, the big big three, they're paying uh, Gobert and Bogdanovich a lot of money. Now, they're not paying Mitchell yet because he's on a rookie deal. But each of those three guys shot 25% from the floor. Uh, A combined 7 of 25, 22 total points, and Toronto was able to shut shut them down. At the same time, Kyle Lowry's going for 21. Serge Ibaka's going for 27. Siakam's going for 27, and those three carrying a depleted Toronto team on the second night of the back-to-back, on the fifth game of a Western road trip, carrying them across the finish line. And, PK, the word toughness came up in the postgame, I would say, at least ten times. Multiple questions to multiple guys, multiple answers, and from rebounds to the way guys were cutting and dominating the paint and getting bumped out of their spots and all that, Toronto was a tougher team. As much as you want to go X's and O's and substitution pattern, when we've had people tweeting us about they should have left the bench in, you know, Tony Bradley playing uh, playing 16 minutes. Now, there were a couple games earlier this year he played more because he started because Gobert was hurt back in November. But like 16 minutes is like one off his season high, other than those two games. But a season high coming off the bench. Uh, Quinn already pushed the envelope on the bench. The NBA, for a long time now, how, best, how good is your best player? How good are your two or three best players? Because they decide who wins 90% of the games. And if the Jazz are going to shoot like that, which I don't – that's not what they're averaging this year, so it's not how I expect them to shoot. But the nights they do shoot like that, it's, it's going to go wrong. It's going to go badly. You're not going to get to 100 points, and you're going to get beat. So – when they get Bogdanovich and Mitchell untracked, especially those two guys, but Gobert's been averaging fifteen points a game fifteen points a game this year too, and he got six points. They, they need more
2: scoring punch than they needed from those guys. Well they needed it last night, sure. Yeah, they needed it in that ball game. The offense wasn't working well enough. They weren't making shots. I mean, you can I've said this a million times, you can make this game as technical as you want. And good for you. If You want to make it all technical and act like it's really intricate and it's important and all that stuff, and you need to just go inside this and that and do it. And as long as the ball goes in the hoop consistently, you're going to have a much better chance to win. And you can create all the analytics, and you can create – good thing about this – is that, I, I, and I never wanted to hear it, but for those people who want to say, oh, back-to-back, you start the game high and then you run out of energy in the third quarter, and by the fourth quarter, you're gassed. That's all blah, blah, blah. And you've got starters out, so what do you expect? More blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and, and, and it's a long road trip, so you can't win. More blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's a great thing that is coming from this game. Excuses, man. They just just don't fly. Did you play well enough to win? Referees, that crowd, uh, you name it. Put them all on the same list. Shuffle them up and pull out whichever one you want. And all it is is blah, blah, blah. Did you play well enough to win the game? And the answer for the Jazz is big fat no. They did not play well enough to win the game. Now let's see what they got tomorrow night when they go to Oklahoma City because that's going to be tough, and we always already knew it was going to be tough. And we knew this week was going to be tougher than last week with the quality of opposition. And so with the opposition stepping up, you're over for 1. That's all that matters. Everything else is just a bunch of crap. You're 0 for 1. What do you do tomorrow against Oklahoma City? You find a way to win. Do you shoot better? Do you put the ball in the basket more and continue to do what you need to do to play winning basketball? I don't care what the opposition is. I don't care what the circumstances are. Did you play well enough to win? I mean, that, that's the bottom line because when you're recording wins and losses, that's what matters the most. And you can say uh, it's about the process, it's about this, it's about this, it's about that, whatever you want. In my mind, did you win? Did you lose? (laughs) And then go from there. Because if you lost, what do you need to do to correct it? And if you won, what do you need to do to keep going? And so I think that's the ultimate analysis here. And we know their guys didn't shoot the ball well enough, so it's not the end of the world. You got a game tomorrow, and you got two games later at the end of the week, and then you got the Lakers what Monday and Wednesday. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing where this team is a week from tomorrow because quality of competition obviously has increased, and you've got to match it or exceed it. And for one game against Toronto, you didn't do that.
1: Need to make more layups. They did everything as far as running the offense and getting it. But – Contested shots inside of five feet, and they just couldn't make them. Jordan Clarkson missing a a layup in transition, and Bogey was 0 for 3 inside of six or seven feet. And Donovan Mitchell, I think, was 1 for 7 or 1 for 8 in the same range. So they're doing a lot of stuff right, but they're not uncontested, and can you score over some guy? And, you know, the Thunder, they're going to know everything Toronto did, so you're just going to keep facing the same stuff until you figure it out. Be physical with them. Try to crush them on the boards. And <laughs> it's going to be the same
2: recipe. It's going to be the same I, recipe over and over. I don't think that they haven't figured it out. I just think they didn't make enough shots. So is it just
1: without regard to the quality of the opposition? Or they can't figure out the better teams? The teams that contest more shots. I mean, you're getting you're getting... It's not like you were shooting threes and they weren't going in and you didn't attack the hoop. And you had the, you know, the wrong... You tried to get inside and get stuff, but you couldn't finish over those guys. Or maybe they're just, like, top four in the league and you're not that good, and when you play teams that aren't top four, you'll be better, which I guess we can check at the end of the week when they're playing Memphis and uh, New Orleans.
2: Well, I think that certainly Toronto has some serious length there in those two big guys, and Siakam and Ibaka. So, uh... I, I think it's more on the Jazz. The Jazz didn't get the job done. The ball didn't go in the hoop enough for them, and so I don't think that there's any great mystery. I just don't think this game is that complicated. But I never played it, so what do I know? And ball didn't go in the hoop. I think they've got to find ways to to score. If if uh, and that's the thing about offense at, at almost at any, any level is not everything is going to be working all the time. So what do you do when? whatever, fill in the blank, isn't working.
1: Well, you get more offensive rebounds.
2: Okay. Then that's that's one thing. And
1: 9 or 10 seems like a pretty normal number for an NBA game, but Toronto got 14 and the Jazz got 6. The Jazz didn't get enough of them. Gobert, who you would think would be an offensive rebounder, had one. Uh, The only guy who had more than one was Conley. He had two. And then you look at Toronto and Serge Ibaka, you know, fifth game of a road trip back to back Uh, he had four and Hollis Jefferson had seven now he got three of them on one possession he was playing volleyball with himself under the rim but at some point somebody else has got to get in there if they don't grab the ball at least knock it out of bounds knock it out towards uh, you know Mike Conley and let him track it down seven it's not it's not going to get it done and it didn't yeah not at all and you can check the uh, who was on the court when things went, really went south. I mean, sometimes the plus-minus can be misleading. But when your starters, O'Neal's outscored minus 21, Gobert's minus 22, Bogdanovich's minus 23, and Mitchell's minus 30, they're going to get beat. It's uh, we're, we're getting some of the, the bench should have stayed in and finished the game tweets, but uh, realistically to – Turn to Tony Bradley and say, "Hey, you're you're going to play? Uh, you are playing at the end of the half, and you are playing at the end of the game. You're going to play him 25 minutes, and you suddenly you just bench and Gobert. And you know, I just don't see that working in the long run. You're lucky you got you got 16 good minutes out of him, and then the starters have
2: got to do the rest. Yeah, I wouldn't obsess over that. I mean, there's so many games. They they played a poor game against a good team. Well, what's going to happen in those situations? Are probably a high percentage of those times you're going to lose. So." Now play better against Oklahoma City because obviously you're gonna have to play better. If you don't play better, you're not going to win. So the recipe is already there. If I'm Quinn Snyder, which obviously I'm not, I don't just start changing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I mean I'm not against going with the flow and as that, things happen in a particular yeah. game, yeah, I don't have any problem with that. But I don't I don't make radical changes <laughs> here in game, whatever it was, sixty whatever and to start saying, oh my gosh, we're just in a panic mode here. I, I, I don't think that. Their best players offensively played poorly. The ball didn't go in the basket enough for them. So you regroup, and unless it's the playoffs, you're going to have a slew of games coming up here. So if I'm the Jazz, uh, you know, I wake up this morning... And I'm looking ahead to the Thunder. They're going to probably have a practice later today, get on a plane and fly over to Oklahoma City. And this game was always going to be tough, even if you won last night against Toronto or not. And so try to find a way to play better. I have no reason to believe that they won't play better. I mean, this is basketball. These things come and go. And, you know, we're to the point now where once you start to get into the mid-60s in terms of uh, games left and you've got in the teens – Uh, I mean, not games left, but mid-60s in terms of games you played and only in the teens and games left. Well, you sort of are who you are here, and there's a level of inconsistency. It's not a bad level. It's not like they're a 500 team. They're not even close to a 500 team. They're far better than a 500 team. But they're going to have a level of inconsistency because it's probably equal to their talent. If Bogdanovich was somebody that you can count on literally every game to score 23 to 25 points, well, he would be an all-star, and he probably (laughs) wouldn't be with the Jazz. (laughs) He probably would have signed with some high-profile team that threw him massive amounts of money earlier, right? So you got to live with what you got and try to find a way to have it when you need it the most. And on a Monday night in Salt Lake City, they didn't have it.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see if they have it Wednesday night because we will be playing a team that uh, largely has gotten to the point now where they don't beat themselves. They've got some limitations, and they lose to the better teams in the league. But they've won 8 out of 10, and the losses are at Milwaukee and home to the Clippers. And I know phrases like acceptable losses are not good to be thrown around. But – when you look at it, you're like, well, okay, you lost to two teams; they're better than you. And you back it up, and you go that bigger. Don't just you know go twenty games, a quarter of the season. They're seventeen and five over the last twenty two games. Losing to San Antonio at home, that's probably a bad loss. That's the only bad loss in there. Celtics and Mavericks; those are good teams. So. They're not going to beat themselves. The Jazz are going to have to go in and play well and take the win. Thunder have crept within a game now with a win. They'd uh, they'd be tied with the Jazz, and they would have won two out of three head-to-head because these two teams have played twice, and they split the two games in Utah. They've got two games now in uh, Oklahoma here at the end of the year. Jazz will make two trips to Oklahoma City. so. Got to play well, got to play better, and you know, the shooting to some degree is a law of averages. There aren't as many teams as long and athletic that are going to challenge shots inside like the Raptors, and to some degree, there's a little bit of, hey, you got to make the open shots, and sometimes you do and sometimes you don't, so if you have an off night, maybe you're due for a big one. Mitchell's numbers, even though he's been up and down, you look at his average since the All-Star break, he, he hasn't... Hasn't been scoring really at that much of a different clip. He's down maybe a point a game versus what he was doing uh, the rest of the season. So there ought to be a big game out there. and Maybe it's Oklahoma City. Yeah, I was always looking forward to
2: this game either way, no matter what happened against Toronto. Because this game that they have against the Thunder takes on more of a playoff-like atmosphere. Because it's basically a two-game swing. You know, they gain a game, you lose a game, vice versa in this situation. So uh, this is, to me, this is the fun part. And this is the old Jerry Sloan, you know, see what you're made made of type thing here. So,
1: well, especially you... because uh, they are sitting in the fourth and fifth spots, and regardless of how this game turns out, they'll probably be sitting in the fourth and fifth spots. So this is uh, – uh, what are the odds right now The Jazz play Oklahoma City or they play Houston? I mean, there's a slight chance maybe that they could end up with Denver or Dallas, but I think the odds are pretty heavy that they're going to end up with Oklahoma City or Houston. So yeah. when, they, when they play any team in that group, you're looking at the game thinking, all right, this, this could – late April, this is who it could be.
2: Right. And this, so this game, for me, always added that form of intrigue that I thought that it would have. And sure enough, it looks like it's going to have it. And for me as a fan, you know, it's hard for me to get upset that much over a loss of Toronto uh, because you're not. You're, that's it. You're not going to see Toronto till next year. <laughs> right? So, right. It's so. not a playoff matchup. No, no, you hope it is, but... Uh, <laughs> it's it, not. <laughs> it, it, it's not, so, I mean, I, I wanted him to win and all that stuff, uh, but it, it's come and gone now, and as we get prepared, get ready for tomorrow's game, the Monday night's game really just has no bearing on anything. It's, it's a come and gone, and uh, now, here, this isn't a come and gone. This is the team that you're competing with. You're competing with right now, and as you say... A decent probability that you could be competing with in April because you've already done that a couple years ago, and you know this uh, Oklahoma City team looks like they're going to be competitive. They got some young guys. Chris Paul and Adams are old. But the other guys, there's a lot of youth and then all these slew of draft picks that they have coming up. So they could very well be a direct competitor with you for, for the next three to five years. So, I mean, it's, it's, some names will change. Obviously, it's the way the world, the world in the NBA works. So let's see what you got here. The, to me, this game, and, and really these other games here at the end of the week with uh, the... Grizzlies and Pelicans, you know, they're in the same conference and they're not those two teams uh, are still developing and so they're not of the level, but this Thunder team is right there. It's right on your heels. I mean, you two are right in the mix. So you can in my mind, you can wash away whatever deficiency you had against the Raptors by winning. In fact, if you were to tell me, I I'll give you these two games, who would you want to win? Uh, who would you want to beat, who would you want to lose, you would take, clearly, if you had to take a loss in there, you would take it against Toronto because you're not competing with them for anything. Oklahoma City, you absolutely are. So as I wake up here this morning, I'm still bitter for the Cougars, but for the Jazz, it's, it's like, what do you got for me tomorrow? And if you find a way to win that game, and it's like where you are on the food chain, I can't say all is well. But I feel a whole lot better about the situation if you beat the Thunder. Now, with that in mind, though, if you lose to the Thunder, well, then you squander a chance to be 1-1. If you want to argue that, I've got no problem uh, as far as that goes this week. Because now you look at it and here you go again. Now you're 0 and 2. <laughs> no. And these guys no! <laughs> Yeah. Joe Joe Ingles has told us repeatedly, hey, we're human beings. All right. So if we're if you're obviously you are human beings, so you sort of have the same type of thought processes as we do. And so if they lose tomorrow, then it becomes, Oh, oh no, here we go again. Now it's a cold streak. So, this is what you're going to do. You're going to play 500 ball, and at times you're going to look really good, and then at other times you're going to look mediocre. And so, since we're human, we're thinking that. Can't help but imagine that they would be thinking that, too. No! Yeah, I think well, I speak for a lot of people. Right. Uh, sure, I, I get that, but isn't that a logical
1: way of thinking? It is, it's if everything you, lose you them say all? Is true. Yeah, that's why I'm going for the comedy with, no! Because yeah. you spelled it out. I mean, I can repeat it if you'd like. Because you're right, it does get in your head. It does get in your thoughts. And we've said it a million times, you know, everybody has bad streaks. The Bucks look like they're in one right now. Well, okay, Giannis Kempo is out. No kidding. The Lakers were in one at Christmas. They lost four in a row, and they lost to the Clippers. Well, come out of it with an eight- or nine-game win streak, and they did. So you're going to have your lulls, but then put a good streak together. And I think that's the thing that sucks about – the loss last night, is they had a five-game win streak. They could have made it six. Okay, the four-game losing streak coming out of the break sucks, but if you beat Toronto, you've won six in a row. Can you go to Oklahoma City and make it seven in a row? Because seven and four over 11 games isn't terrible, and you've beaten Oklahoma City, the team that's uh, right next to you in the standings. You know, and you got some separation, and now you're beating them two out of three, and you might see them in the playoffs. Yeah. And if you win that first-round playoff series, then you're going to draw the Lakers or Clippers. Yeah. And we get that, yeah, you're in the same league, and you got the same salary cap, but... Guys leverage their way in trades or go as free agents. They are the elite guys, and they don't consider coming to Utah or to Denver or to Oklahoma City. As a matter of fact, one of them was leaving Oklahoma City. So, you know, it's just a different deal for these teams, and we'll figure that out when we get there. But when the Jazz are playing Oklahoma City, it feels like, okay, in terms of NBA sex appeal, you're about the same. they got the same salary cap. So get the upper hand on these guys. And we'll see, Wednesday night. And we'll see if, uh, I don't know if uh, Shea Gilges alexander did not play, had a hip injury and didn't play against Boston, and they won on the road without him. Another quality win for Oklahoma City. And I don't know what his status is for Wednesday's game. Hopefully both teams will be full strength, but we'll see how that shakes out.
2: Yeah, you know, you totally lost me once you said sex appeal. I didn't hear anything afterwards. <laughs> okay, so we'll go I to break, it. and you'll Her- hit reset. Yeah don't ever it's, don't ever use that phrase coming to your mouth again that's just <laughs> that is that's awful all sorts of awful or fabulous.
1: It just... No! Thank you, Nancy Kerrigan. All right, DJ and PK. Uh, when we come back, PK's in Las Vegas. BYU's out of the West Coast Conference Tournament. What went wrong? Coaching mistakes, the do-overs Mark Pope would like to have, uh, the players who could have been used differently or produced differently, what the woulda-coulda-shouldas should to a 51-50 loss with St. Mary's. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. <laughs> And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5,
0: 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Utah Jazz five-game win streak snapped. Toronto wins 102-91. Pascal Siakam, Serge Ibaka both scoring 27 points to pace Toronto in the win. Rudy Gobert ejected late in the game. Jazz are off today. They go to Oklahoma City tomorrow night, take on the Thunder at 6 o'clock. Elsewhere in the NBA, the Nuggets win. They are now two games in front of the Jazz, sitting in third place in the West. They beat the shorthanded Bucks without Giannis Antetokounmpo. 109-95 the final. Jordan Ford's jumper with 1.4 seconds left gives St. Mary's a 51-50 win over BYU. Gonzaga and St. Mary's playing the WCC tournament title game tonight, 7 o'clock on ESPN. NBA basketball well, on TNT, it's the Mavericks and the Spurs at 6, the Nets and the Lakers at 8.30. Job of the Wire is brought to you by Homie. Buying or selling a home, Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at Homie.com.
0: This, this, this is Hans Olsen
1: and Scotty G. It's
0: what you
2: want. The great Craig Jack. It's been an interesting season to this point. It's been up, down, up, down, up, down. Jazz win, what, 19 of 21. Then they drop five, they win four, they drop, you know, either you're winning or you're losing. But I think consistency's got to be there from here on out. The time of talking about we're still learning about each other. We have to figure things out. You know, time is starting to tick and the games are starting to really kind of run away from you. So you can't afford uh, to have another drop. This is where you Want this team to hopefully they've been through the rough time, now they figure things out, and you make a really strong run and play your best basketball before the postseason.
0: Catch hands and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy Dealers on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Clock rolls to the logo. Ford wants to go. Long range two. He got it! 1.4 seconds, and Jordan Ford has put the Gales up by one. He launches it down the floor. Childs touches
2: it, and the Gales are going back to the West Coast Conference Championship game. 51-50, to 50 and Jordan Ford is the hero again.
1: Join the big show. Thursday from 3 to 6. They're going to be at the warehouse at 86 East University Parkway in Orem. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. That's the warehouse. All right, BYU knocked out in the conference tournament semifinal. 5150 by St. Mary's. PK, you've mentioned that uh, you know th- there were a couple keys to this game. The three guys who usually scored, there was something off, whether it was free throws, field goal percentage, or just the number of shots they got. So that's part of why it's such a low scoring game. You also mentioned Mark Pope getting out coached. What adjustments could he have made, should he have made? I didn't see a big chunk of the game doing jazz post. At the end of the game, the one thing jumps out at me is, well, double-team Jordan Ford and make him pass the ball because I really, really don't want him taking the game-winning shot.
2: Yeah, amen. I mean, I assume that was a St. Mary's announcer that Yock just played? Correct. And what you heard right at the end said it all to me. Jordan Ford. I keep wanting to call him Jordan Farmar. old Laker, UC Los Angeles guy. But Jordan Ford does it again. Okay, the word again. (laughs) It was so clear that once they took that timeout, they were going to get him the ball, and they're going to let him go one-on-one and do what he can do. It was so obvious. (laughs) Gosh. So I'm I'm back at Channel 2 after the game. And Jake Edmonds was
1: shooting the live shot I did for uh, Channel 2. And so we're there, and a couple of the other guys are still hanging out, right, because the game's so close. And in the timeout, Jake says, I hate Jordan Ford. He's going to win this game. As soon as Yoli missed that hook, I hate Jordan Ford. He's going to win this game. I'm like, dude, this team's better defensively than a whole bunch of BYU teams that have come before it. They need one stop. They're capable of doing this. He's like, Jordan Ford, that guy, I don't want to watch this. That's pretty predictable right there. To all your points about, again, when a guy who hasn't even been watching the game because he's been working walks in and is like, oh, yeah, they're going to give the ball to Jordan Ford and he's going to beat us because he always does it, and I hate that. Jake went to BYU, by the way. So, I mean, he, he knows this forwards and backwards, to your point.
2: Yeah, and so I think on the prior possession, BYU's last possession, I think they had an opportunity to go two for one, but they ran out the clock, and they, they didn't do that. And they went to something that hadn't been working at that point and trying to hope. And I I guess maybe I can live with that because Yoli's your guy. Uh, You're going to rise and fall with him in that situation. So you got the ball to your best player, and it looked like it had an opportunity to go in. It didn't go in And the last several possessions. They had those opportunities, and it didn't go in. Uh, But just allowing Ford is – their best player. I mean, Fitz is a good player, but he was awful.
1: Hit a terrible he was, game shooting the ball. Yeah. I saw the stats. He was, he scored. He did score a big bucket late, and he they did. put a graphic up on the screen. I think he was two for eleven or two for thirteen uh-huh. or something at that point. Uh-huh. It was uh-huh. a really bad number. Uh, I got right. it right here. It's two for thirteen. He was two hmm. for thirteen. He was one for six, and he missed a couple free throws. It's four for six.
2: Yeah. So you had that going on there. Uh, it's easy to say. It's all in hindsight, but I'm not paid the first guess. I'm paid the second guess. Uh, so that, I just didn't like how they just allowed Ford to go exactly where he wanted. And Ford, in the post game, sitting right there, he said, well, once I saw that they had a smaller player on me, and got, obviously Ford's a small kid too, he said, I knew that that wouldn't be a problem. I knew that once I got downhill – was going to be able to get where I wanted to go and then it was just a matter of was I going to make the shot and so that's coming right from the kid's mouth and so they put Barcelo on him and I can't criticize Barcelo for giving everything he had uh, but it just wasn't good enough in that situation and they allowed the opposing team's best player with the conference tournament season on the line to just make the shot and it just looks so easy and on the other end BYU was struggling offensively and things weren't coming for them uh, I would have liked to see Tulson get some more opportunities uh, maybe take the ball out of Hawes's hands a little bit because Hawes wasn't doing anything and there, some of Hawes's shots reminded me of Gordon Hayward when he first was with the Jazz, you know, just sort of driving into the lane and then tossing up some off balance thing and maybe hoping you're banking it or gets on the rim and and just sits there and breaks your way and falls through the basket. There was just a lot of a ton of empty possessions offensively. And then Yoli said afterward, obviously we weren't prepared for this style of game tonight. And that. And that uh, that's not a direct quote, but it's awfully quotes. Close. close. So,
1: so does that apply to the fact that it was going to be more defensive minded? Mm-hmm. The refs were going to let him play yep. and let yep. stuff go because that's that's the way the NCAA tournaments usually ref. And I can't guarantee how every game is going to be ref, but that's how a lot of games are ref.
2: Yes. And the good thing, because all's not lost here, is uh, yeah. You, you can let's hear Fioli himself. You can, see, you can hear it
0: clearly. We. Mean- but we just weren't prepared for the, the nature of the game today. Uh, St. Mary's was tougher than us. Uh, they were more physical than us. Um, and, and I think they really got us out of our stuff. And
2: Yeah. Uh, Yoli, you well said, son. <laughs> you put it right out there, and that's exactly the truth. And they weren't prepared for it. And, and the great thing about Pope, I mean, he was way disappointed for, as I, as I said earlier, I've been around many locker rooms, many post-game conferences in a lot of different sports, and it's fresh in my mind, so it might be some exaggeration because it's right here in the moment, but it's hard for me to imagine a team that was more disappointed in a situation where the season's not over. I mean, conference tournament-wise, all is lost again, but NCAA tournament, no, not at all. Not even close. And so Pope, I got to give him credit, man. This is the first time he's in this situation, I mean, I know he's a 47 year old guy who's been in basketball for a long, long time. But honestly, I'm not following much of what he's doing at UVU, I'm following to every level I possibly can what he's doing at BYU. So in my mind, this was his biggest game. And he got out coached and got, I thought, basically, Randy Bennett owned the referees more, and maybe Pope doesn't have that stature, but the great thing about Mark is that he just put it right on himself, and he did not back down from it whatsoever. He didn't back down in the postgame, and then afterward, I'm driving, I got about a 20-minute drive, uh, because they got to some, uh, what, uh, construction convention here in town, and and, and prices and everything is through the roof on hotels so i'm way out in henderson so i got a 20 minute drive while well, i turn on the post game because you can get it down here as i'm driving home and he's doing the same thing only worse he's putting it all on himself so and i really appreciated that uh, there was no excuse making from mark pope whatsoever he was talking about how he got out coached and how disappointing it was and, and sometimes you know they get up there and they try to give you a spin. I don't think Mark Pope was given any spin whatsoever. Go back and listen. It should be on our website. There was no spin. He was telling it like it is. His his disappointment was so obvious and then talking about how he got out coached. So, and 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 to your point saying that he, obviously he's been at the highest level of college. He won a national title with Kentucky. So, he knows all about how NCAA tournament games are played and refereed, as you said. And so he's going to use this as a learning experience. I have no idea who they're going to play in the first round, but I believe that stuff can be benefited from this loss that they can use and be far more prepared for the NCAA tournament than they were this. It's just that I get BYU fans because you were were hoping to finally win the freaking thing. And you had all these seniors, right? And I don't know what the team is going to be like next year. I don't know what Gonzaga is going to be like, but Gonzaga is probably going to have five guys from all parts of the country and world that I don't even know about that are going to come there and be stars for them next year. <laughs> so it's going to be hard again. And uh, this was your chance. Yeah. It's not like once in a lifetime, but you had all these seniors, and then you, to go out in the semifinals is completely and totally just as disappointing as can be. The
1: assumption going into this was. Hey, without Yoli, at St. Mary's, they nearly won. And then yeah. they did win at the Marriott Center. So on a neutral floor with Yoli, of course they're going to win. And I think the bitterness comes in different flavors. Everything comes back to ice cream with me. The bitterness comes in different flavors. I think for, um, for Mark Pope, you know, coaches, uh, they see games differently than the rest of us, and they feel them differently. We've been over that a lot. But I just think when you're walking off the floor— Mark is already thinking about, I could have done this different. I could have done that different. I could have called this here. I could have done that there. So he's already singing and guessing himself on the way to the locker room. Now, that's one, that's one deal. I think for the fans, and Greg Rubell tweeted this out, and I think he's spot on about this. Uh, Tough at the top, BYU since joining the WCC, and he breaks down the regular season record versus Gonzaga and St. Mary's and the tourney record and then versus the rest of the league also. So, you're 96 and 22 against the whole league, but you're 12 and 24 against Gonzaga and St. Mary's. You're 6 and 12, he put Greg put this in there. 6 and 12 against both teams and they're 1 and 7 against those teams in the tournament. I don't think Mark has the here we go again thing because he's been at UVU doing his own thing, but for the fan base it just sucks that they run into these teams, and they're 1-2 and 2 versus St. Mary's, and they're 0-5 versus Gonzaga. And they're 8-2. They pretty much handle the rest of the league. But this with, it's like you say with these seniors. It just felt like this was a chance to do something they haven't done, and that's beat St. Mary's and beat Gonzaga. And you knew Gonzaga was going to be coming for you because the unfinished business, they didn't lose to St. Mary's. They lost to BYU. BYU is the team they want to beat. And now the game's not even going to happen. Different uh, flavor of bitterness.
2: Oh yeah, for sure. Right, and this group will never get a, chi- a chance to win the West Coast Conference tournament. Well, you know, in, you got in a the a chance to things, go to the
1: Sweet Sixteen. So right, suck yeah, it that's up and what I'm move on.
2: Right in the ski, but 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 you, but you got now you got nine days. Yeah, so. yeah that's true.
1: But I, I really think, and the more I hear coaches and players talk about this, and it doesn't matter if it's Mark Pope or Quinn Snyder or Kyle Winningham, if you come out. And you say it doesn't hurt, I don't believe you. You've invested too much time and too much effort. And in the case of college basketball and college football these days and the NBA, too much money. But certainly even at the high school level, too much time and effort. Although I guess with all the travel teams, people are investing money there too. Uh, for it not to hurt. It has to hurt, but there is either a uh, wake up the next morning rule or a 24 hour rule. And I know it's kind of arbitrary, so pick whichever one you want whether you win or lose at some point you got to move on in the nba the games come so fast and furious people talk about it all the time like the next day whether you won or lost the night before you got to let it go after the game that night you're loving it or you're hating it but the next morning you got to turn the page now the games don't, you know, the NBA doesn't get nine day breaks very often. I guess the All Star break they do, but other than that, they don't. So it's going to be a little different for BYU. So Pope ought to feel it that post game. But I've talked to people around the team, and you've probably talked to him too, of the stuff that Mark has done right this year. Well, you have to say bringing Tulson in that was big, but mostly what he's done right is he has said or done the right thing for the mentality of the team. Now maybe. He screwed it up here, and they weren't ready for a game that didn't have whistles that they're used to getting, and they didn't get to shoot free throws that they're used to shooting. And so then when you do get a free throw, you're squeezing it tight, and you miss it. You know, and Yoli was 5 of 10. So maybe he feels like he didn't get them dialed in. But I've heard stuff there, and it's stuff we don't really get to see because the meat isn't allowed access. But when you hear it from people who really know what they're talking about, and they're like, "Mike is or Mark is really doing a good job with the mentality of the team, as bitter as this disappointment is, you got to turn it into a positive. Because although it sucks to not win the conference tournament, you got a chance to go to the Sweet 16. And PK, I think you've got those Sweet 16s pretty much memorized now. Two. There they are. <laughs> go yeah, no well, no go way back go back like 40 years. How many
2: then? Uh, who cares?
1: Two. <laughs> Two. That's it. Uh.
2: I, mean, I, I don't even think you needed to win a game to get in the Sweet 16. I think if you made the tournament, you are already gifted in because there wasn't that many games as there are now.
1: No, but just going back to Ainge and Jimmer, they just got a Sweet 16. Yeah, those, and we are could, right, those, those are the two. Right, those are the two guys. in 40 years. Right. Uh,
2: the, the thing that I thought was uh, interesting with Pope – as he was talking, and I have a lot of confidence in him, and I think he's the right guy for that job. I hope he stays there for 15 years. I don't know what's going to happen, but I have no doubt in my mind that he's highly su- going to be highly successful. Uh, this was a stumble, and it was a bitter stumble, but he'll, he'll get better. He'll learn. I mean, at this level, he's a young coach, and uh, so... Let's see, you got you got to you got to have some stumbling, but the thing that really struck me is he said you talk about waking up the next day. He said this will hurt more in an hour or two, and then tomorrow it will hurt even worse. So, given the fact that it's this is not a conference regular season where you have a Thursday Saturday, Saturday game right now, this is going to stew. And these guys are probably starting, they probably didn't get much sleep anyway. Yeah. Uh, but as they start to get out of bed here, because uh, it's still down in Vegas, it's what, a quarter to seven in the morning here, and it's raining, and it's gloomy. <laughs> They're going to feel so, it today. Yes. Yeah. Well, they don't well, they have they a game until today. a
1: week from Thursday. Right. But there's going to have to be a point, and it's arbitrary, I get that, there's going to have to be a point where you just turn the page. And you, you uh, learn now. the lessons.
2: It's not now. No, not now This stings And this is going to sit In your stomach and and yeah, all day, all day today, all day. Now maybe tomorrow, because no matter what would happen, win or lose, when maybe you wait, uh, when you get to Wednesday, the season, the you know, the conference right. tournament season is over either way, win or lose, it doesn't matter. And so, but today, today is going to. I can honestly say today is the worst day of their season right now, and, and oh. I'm all for it so far. So far, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, okay, well, so far, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Oh, no, first- they're not, not going to win six games here, buddy. <laughs> right, I know
1: that. <laughs> but the thing is, if you, if you win two games and then you play an excellent <laughs> team and you play a great game and you get beat, it's going to suck because it always sucks when you lose and the season's over because that group of guys isn't together and we know all the quotes, right? But at least then you will have felt like you did what you were supposed to do and you've done what so few BYU teams have done. That'll be great. If they lose a game like this, where they are out toughed and they miss free throws and they can't make key plays down the stretch, and they don't double the one guy who really has it going in the game, who is their best player, has the ball in his hands right from the start, and everybody knows it, including people watching TV in a different state, if that happens again, then that'll be the new low water point or new low water mark here. Um, but they got a week to go over all of it, learn from it, have the guys prep for it, and maybe we'll look back. I mean, it's the one we always refer to, and we've been referring to it for 20 years now, but, man, the Utes in 98, lost in the conference tournament, best thing that happened, great tournament run, end up in the championship game.
2: I got a question for BYU fans as far as losses stinging, and I'll get to it next.
1: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Is Tony
0: Parks and Austin Horton.
1: Merrill is something Utah State has never had, where he is like your
0: guy. He embodies everything about Utah State. He wanted from day one to be an Aggie,
2: went there, helped turn over a culture. There's all these different things that make Utah State basketball really special historically, but now you've got this, and this is every bit of the Van Horn, every bit of the Jimmer, every bit of that. This guy embodying your program, and he is your star.
0: That second half was one of the best conference tournament games games I've ever seen. That shot, he was so far behind the three-point line. I thought, anyone else shooting that and you go, what are you doing? Wonderful, wonderful moment. Kudos to Utah State going back-to-back conference tournament champs. Yeah. Tony Parks and Austin Horton. Weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network.
1: Purchase a Ford Fans on All You Can Eat ticket to an upcoming Utah Jazz game and receive unlimited hot dogs, soda, popcorn, nachos, and ice cream, starting as low as $37 per ticket. Visit UtahJazz.com or call 325-29.99 to buy your Ford Fans on All You Can Eat tickets now. All right, Ben Anderson coming up, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. He was on the pre-half and post-game last night. He's going to join us in our next segment. But right now, PK, you had something to bring up for BYU fans.
2: Yeah, today sucks. There's no other way around it. I'm here in Vegas. It's raining. It's just a sucky day. It's gloomy. And BYU's had a lot of bitter disappointments in football and basketball this season. Is this the bitterest of the bitter? Was there a football loss that was bitterer? Or is this the bitterest?
1: I would say there was a. F- well, I guess it just is going to come down to how invested each BYU fan is in each sport. Um, there were bitter, bitter football losses. I thought that Hawaii loss was a bitter loss.
2: Two yards, you win the game. Hawaii, Hawaii. Sure, it was every, every well. Every single loss was a bitter loss. If, if it's not bitter, then something's really wrong with your program.
1: Like, uh, to me, Hawaii was worse than South Florida. And I guess I should throw in Utah. To me, that wasn't that bitter because I kind of expected it, but I wonder. Still Cougar fan, Right. Gang Cougar fan is more, they're invested in emotionally. They had a poster on the wall. They wore the shirt to school and, you know, listen to Ute fan at recess or something. So maybe that's just way more bitter to them. The street gets under their skin.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you ought to be used to it by now uh, I mean you were that's you were kind, a two of, yeah, kind of touchdown underdog right again Utah had its best team they've had in 10 years right <laughs> so to my
1: point of that's they expect the outcome so I didn't think that was that better but for some cougar fans it's just you know the side of the red and then a loss and it may grind their teeth that may be the worst of the worst
2: this was the bitterest of football and basketball losses come on you thought you were gonna win you had that game you're up 11 you're up nine 10 you're in control. You could never put them away. I tweeted that out. They could never get to the point where they could put them away. And that was that was nasty that they couldn't do it. And then come back and lose that game, and now you're not playing on national television against Gonzaga? Oh, my gosh, this would have been... You were playing uh, Hawaii on Christmas Eve in front of hundreds in a game that was probably not watched by a whole lot of people with the teams. Come on. Here... You had a chance. You're nationally ranked. Their football team hadn't been nationally ranked. There is no football loss that equates with this loss in terms of being bitter. This was bitter. Very. It was the sourest of the sour, my good friends. It was like, what's that? It was so sour that uh, Becky Sauerbaum didn't even like it. Ah, oh,
1: wordplay. Excellent.
2: What's her name? Becky Sour Sauerbron. but I oh, was ballpark. You were ballpark. Yeah. It's a good pull on your part. I mean, you know, I mean, I have to see. The Royals, they start here next month. Got to see what the new coach does. You know, I'm not ready to make a prediction yet. I'll be, I went, I'm going to get uh, today, probably have some time after I'm going to youth practice and I'm going to get my Athlon uh, for the Women's Soccer League and, and really bear down on that. And so I'll probably be more educated to speak on it tomorrow, if you want. If you don't want, because you rarely want to talk soccer. I don't understand it. But if you want to talk it, I'll be able to talk it with you. Yeah. So, you know, you
1: know Becky got traded, right? She's in Portland now. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, just make it sure. See, do I have to spell out well, everything for Well, I wasn't sure you? when you said you had to get your athlon to track it. I, initially, I thought you were on it, but then when you had to get the athlon to track it, I thought maybe you weren't. I, That's I the
2: point of getting athlon, so I'm up to date with all the changes, you fool.
1: Gosh. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Ben Anderson. Jazz pre-half and post-game talking about the Jazz loss and looking ahead to the trip to Oklahoma City. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.